0: Next Chapter Podcasts The
1: 500
0: The 500 J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to you. Hundreds more to Need of a friend, the king of these four Angelo
1: talking the five hundred until the end. Talking the five hundred until the end with my man Jam. On the five hundred,
2: talking the five hundred until the end. Thinking of a master plan. Death, death, death with the record. Death with the record. Thinking of a master plan. The record, death with the record, thinking of a master plan. Cause ain't nothing but sweat inside my hands. So I dig it to my pocket, all my money spent, so I the default still coming up with Lent, so I paid in
1: full. That's the song. It's also the title of the album. That's by Eric B and Rakim, I'm so hip-hopped out. I'm into hip-hop. I'm in my hip-hop mood. This is number 228 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adamars, y'all. That is what you're listening to. This is the place to be. I am the only comic that is taking on, you know, this 9.68 year journey to go through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums. And and these are the moments, man. These are the moments that I really, I mean, really am glad that I'm doing it. This was the the episode. I had so much fun. I'll get to all that. Let me just get, let me get to the shit that I got to do. I am on the road, come and see me. Um, I have some very important shows that I would love for you to come out to if you live in Chicago, Indianapolis, Liberty Township, which I think is Cincinnati, and Columbus, Ohio. Those I give, and and then Toronto too. I want Toronto, I wanna fucking sell out Toronto. But uh, go to JoshAdamMyers.com for tickets, sign up for my email list. January 26th and the 27th, I will be in Bakersfield, California. January 31st, Zany's Chicago, one night only. It's not a big room, I really wanna sell this out. I hired a PR person, I'm doing promos, whatever we can do. Then that weekend, February 2nd and the 3rd, I will be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. At the laughing tap great room and then february 6th helium indianapolis february 7th funny bone liberty township february 8th funny bone columbus and then i'm going to be in detroit at the house of comedy february 9th and 10th vegas for a week from the 12th to the 17th at the comedy cellar i'll be at the comedy store february 18th and the 19th and then we are going to close it out before i have the surgery uh in toronto uh, in Kitchener, Ontario, and uh, that'll be February twenty third, February twenty fourth in Toronto. Sorry, I, if I feel like I, I don't know how to do ads like this, but I, I would love it, man. Please come out. You know, I meet a lot of you guys on the road, and you you say, you know, you love the show, and and it's like you 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 support, and I love that. Um, these are the shows if you live in any of those areas man let's let's fucking pack these out and follow me if you don't already at Josh Adam Myers on all social media and uh, subscribe to our patreon patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast get all full videos get merch uh, ask questions to the guests and uh, just come come pay to play man we pay to play this is a free podcast dude so let's fucking let's fucking make it prof profitable profitable Um, alrighty ladies and gentlemen uh, a lot of you've been excited about this one. Eric B. and Rakim, paid in full. This is a this is a monumental hip hop record. This has changed the game in what hip hop was and then now is. This is a pivotal moment in hip hop, and uh, and so to do this episode and give it the justice it deserves. So because I I could just read the facts, or you could bring somebody on that lived the facts. And ladies and gentlemen, from Yo MTV Raps, the comedy hip hop legend. Mr. Ed Lover, uh, he, he he's you know one of the originators of of of, of hip hop, uh, you know interviews and and you know kind of telling you what was up in the world of hip hop every day on MTV on Yo MTV Raps, and he's still doing it on his radio show. Uh, he in podcast it's just he is is somebody that man we couldn't have gotten a a, a better guest for this episode and these are the episodes like I always say these are the ones that make me realize like "Ah, fuck I'm gonna finish this because it's worth it man when you really we start working with these people and and we get going man oh man oh man oh shabbits Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500. Listen free on all platforms, anywhere you get your pods. And leave us a five-star rating because it helps us. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. joshadammyers.com for tickets. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, go to the website, the500podcast.com. All right, y'all. Well... Scudly do, boodly do, ep 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 ep, skit skit, and, ip, skit do, coming in at two twenty eight, paid in full by Eric B. and Rakim. Kim. Huh! Growing up as a as a child born in nineteen seventy nine in the Washington D.C. area, uh, I still can remember the day that MTV came to my neighborhood. Well, cable came to my neighborhood, and it was in nineteen ninety. I was about 10 years old, and the first thing that I did was turn on MTV, and I mean, I grew up with our guest today, uh, because yeah, I might be this white boy from Germantown, Maryland, but yo, I'm, I know hip-hop, I know hip-hop. <laughs> um, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, the legend, the one, the only, Ed Lover. Thank you for coming on today, brother. Yo,
3: what up? What's good, baby? What's
1: happening? No um please tell me what's what's been going on. You know what's funny is last night I was I I did a show at the comedy cellar and then I got home and I actually searched uh to find Who's the Man because I hadn't seen it in a while and I was yeah. like let, let me just get high and watch Who's the Man. And I think I got <laughs> I got I'm I'm, at, I'm 44 so I I mean literally 8 seconds into it I fell asleep and I woke up was in my clothes. <laughs> that's so. the best
3: way to watch it is high. <laughs> <laughs> What That's so what if I watch now, if I see it, I'll be high as
1: hell. So you're you're Bro. I mean, you know, like can I say I guess before we get into what's going on now, it's just like how how did that happen? Like, you know, you know, we, you know, you suddenly become immersed into the world of hip hop. Was that something that you sought out or is it just kind of fell into your lap? It
3: was it was it was kind of like a little bit of both. It was hip hop has always been something that I've 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 loved for for a very long time. For the first time I heard uh, Kumo D destroy Busy B on a tape back in the days that my cousin had that he gave, he made a copy of it for me so that I could have it. And I was like the only cat around my neighborhood to have that. And then growing up uh, not uh, about four blocks away from Jam Master J and being immersed in, in as a DJ, as a young crate carrier, for a DJ just so I could be behind the ropes when they jammed in the park and all of that stuff. And then learning how to DJ at a very early age when disco was the thing before hip hop. And, um, and then the breaks, breaks started coming along, like around like 78, 79, people just started DJing those records and they would just catch the beats. And initially the the MC was just there to hype up the DJ, to throw your hands in the air kind of stuff. And, you know the Woody Woods, Eddie Chivas, Lovebug Starsky, um You know all of the all of the early early cats that, um, that was that was doing things like that. That's what caught me. And then just when the ramen started getting a lot better, and then those tapes started going around, and you heard Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Four before there was five of them. When you heard the, uh, Grandmaster Cass. And when you heard the Fantastic Romantic Five and the God Breakout damn. Brothers and all that, all that stuff was on tape. And then eventually they started doing these discos actually an old, and like they had armories. Every, every little city had their own armory. Yeah, DC had, an armory. DC
1: had DC armory. There used to be like parties right. and there, then, you know, raids, that's where, yeah. Where,
3: where uh, what was it, the reserves would be at and stuff. So when they wasn't anything wasn't going on, they would people would throw parties in there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then those artists would, you know, those groups would come around and be at the armory and you pay a little bit of money. And my mother let me go with my older brother. And that's what really caught me with with, with hip hop. Wait,
1: time as off a second as- before before you go any further. So just so I'm clear, because for years I had no idea. I so an armory isn't just a music venue or a nightclub spot. It's where they hold army reserves.
3: That's where all the army reserves and all the stuff they used to hold up all the equipment and all of that stuff in the armory. That's why they call it an armory. (laughs) That makes sense now. I just thought it was like, man, this is remember they (laughs) used to have they
1: have parties
3: in the armory,
1: huge parties in DC. Yeah,
3: like like extremely big, thousands of people. Parties in
1: the Armory, and we're like, so we like, so go- we, like we set the DJ, uh, we can set the DJ table up there on that tank, and just like, we'll move, <laughs> we'll move those destroyers, and that's, that's right. that. That is badass. And so you were and let's say,
3: rock, let's rock out. So it was, it's where's go- that?
1: That's in, is that in Queens or is that in, in Queens? At the okay. Queens
3: Armory, yeah. So you'd rock out, and and you see all of these groups coming on with all these routines, and really nobody was making a record Yeah It wasn't on wax, and then. Here comes the Sugar Hill Gang with Rappers Delight, but before that, there was a group out of Queens called the Fatback Band, and they had okay. a song called King Tim the Third Personality Job. Okay, but Fatback Band was a band; it wasn't like just you know a rap group. He was featured on their record. You know, he was doing some some rhymes and stuff on their record, but the Sugar Hill Gang is what we credit as the very first hip hop. Record just why pure. is it that
1: why is it that Sugar Hill Gang gets the the kudos as being the first record? Because I know Rapper's Delight and I know what like Apache, if I'm not mistaken. Um that was that was after Rapper's that Delight. Was, okay, that was after, but Rapper's Delight is like the first known. But if there were these guys that you're saying before them, then they were an RB group. Oh, okay. And they you know, they
3: featured this cat named King Tim the Third personality jock on this record. But the real traces of hip hop could be taken all the way back when I don't even think the cats that was doing it knew that it, you know, that what it was evolved to. I remember as a kid, my mom playing a record that from a comedian that she liked by the name of pig meat Markham <laughs> and, and pig meat Markham had a song called here comes the judge and he rhymes the whole song. It's music, and he's he's rhyming the whole song. Hear ye, hear ye, the court is me. I'm just about ready to do my thing. I don't want no tears. I don't want no lies. Also, I don't want no alibis. That's rap.
1: Yeah, it is rap. But,
3: but, but they didn't call it rap. So Sugar Hill gets the credit as being the first really rap record. And it's weird because hip-hop started in New York, and the Sugar Hill Gang and Sugar Hill Records were out of New Jersey.
1: Yeah, yes. Okay, no, I get it. You look, but I mean, right next to one another. What are they? Are they Newark? Right. Jersey City? I mean, that's literally. They're
3: they're around that Englewood, Newark area. Yeah, so they get the credit for it. And I don't know, but the Sugar Hill Gang was different because they were a put together rap group. Like, Master G was doing his thing. Uh, They're always doing their thing. Hank wasn't even really rhyming. Like, all of Hank's rhymes are Grandmaster Cass written. Okay. Hank worked at a pizza parlor Hmm. and heard about it and asked Kaz. He knew Kaz, and Kaz gave him a book of his rhymes. Really? Yeah. That's why you hear him say, I'm the C-A-S-A and O-V-A, and the rest is F-L-Y. That's what Kaz used to call himself, casting over fly.
1: No way.
3: All of those, and he got no money for it. He got no credit for it. Nothing so everything that comes out of Big Bank Hank's mouth was written
1: by Grandmaster Cash. That is crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. But well, were there were there a lot of ghostwriters back then? I mean, was he No, it, he didn't he
3: didn't mean, mean you No, know, But you know what writer, I mean, either. but just like just yeah. like when
1: cuz you're saying it starts no. with it starts with the beats It's like you said, it goes from disco into the break beats. They get the break beats and the DJs start taking off. And now it's like you have Sugar Hill Gang that is starting to do, like you said, you had the Here Come the Judge guy, which was rap, but it wasn't identified as rap. And now you have Sugar Hill Gang, which is rap. And like, so when was it? When was the first time you heard the word hip hop? Oh, it
3: was on one of them tapes. It's on one of them tapes. You know, when I first heard the word hip hop, it's probably like around the. Round wild style and wild style and stuff and stuff like that came out yeah when they started doing that then i started hearing the word hip-hop more or less more Before than sugar Hill. it was disco it was yeah. disco everything 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 was disco
1: everything what was, what was the vibe like at those block parties at those armories like, oh, was, amazing. It, was it was it it was just love and positivity it had yeah. to have been yeah. yeah it was
3: it was it was so it was so incredible. It was so incredible that sometimes the gangs would show up and and just be dancing. Really? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just like this is weird. Like these guys are out here looking for girls. Yeah. Dancing. It was like whoever bought their equipment out on a Saturday and knew how to manipulate the light pole so they could plug their stuff into the light pole. And just like hundreds and hundreds of kids out there just dancing.
4: Did the cops try and shut it down or did they shut it down a lot in the,
3: early, in the early times? Yeah. But I guess after a while,
1: the cops were like, we know where they at. And it's good. So and it's po- yeah. And it's positive. It's not like, I mean, look, right. like you said, the, the gangsters are going to be there. So, but if, but if there's all good vibes, yeah. then, who, then like, let them be, let them finally just have something that's right. fun. And so and right. so you're, you're seeing the, all the beginning of this, like how old are you, how would you say you are when, when this is going on? When I'm going to park jams
3: and 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 block parties and and stuff like that, I'm trying
1: to be twelve, thirteen years old. And you and your your mom, nobody gives a shit. You're just throwing no, no, yourself in the No, I was going with my
3: brothers. My brothers were older than me, so yeah. if my brothers uh... were going, or if there was a if there was a bunch of us, like you could hear the music. Like I lived one of the big parks by where I lived at. Well, it was pretty a good walk. Mm-hmm. Was a park called Jamaica Park. Okay. Right. And I went to junior high school 192. Jam Master J lived across the street from this. Sometimes they would jam at 192 Park, but most of the time it was in Jamaica Park. The music would be so loud because the DJs were the people that you looked up to. These crews of DJs, the Master Sounds, the Disco Twins, the Furlong Companies, the Infinity Machines, these DJs that you knew about were the draw. And they had so much equipment. And it'd be so loud, you could hear it all the way on my block. you would be like, yo, is somebody jamming in the park? And then, you know, the word would go out, yeah, they had Jamaica Park. Mine. And I'm going with Kurt and Gene and Daryl and this one. And I, can I go? My mother be like, yeah, y'all be careful because those days you didn't worry too much about pedophiles and the kids just got, you know what I mean? We walked to school up there anyway. So Jamaica Park was probably from Hollis Avenue, one, two, three, four, five, probably six blocks up Avenue-wise. And you just went to the park, and then it was time to go. Everybody walked home. The cops would really shut it down when it got dark. That's why everybody, yeah, when it's it's nighttime, they come, all right, you guys got to turn that down because they start getting complaints from the neighbors. But other than that, they didn't care if we was jamming in the park. We'd be out there all day just having fun.
1: God, it's so funny just, you know, knowing the roots of how it started to seeing the evolution. I'm not saying that every show that goes on now is is bad vibes, but it just, it feels like it's either getting shut down or there's fights or because of social media and the camera phones, it's like, and like everybody doesn't wants to be the man. And, and instead of just being there and being positive, which is what right. hip hop started as this loving thing of just like, man, this is our shit and we're gonna do this and we're together for that. Um, right. what about, what about when you, so you're saying sugar hill gang, cause I want to start getting, I want to figure out how we get to Rocky, rock from this and Eric B. But you know, when does it start, you know, the, cause like you are saying, it's about the beat. It's about the DJ and then sugar hill gang is about the rhymes. When does the evolution of the MC start coming on? Right, because- right,
3: right, right after that, right after that, because then all of these little record labels started popping up. Sugar hill was an independent label. Yeah. So now you got all of these record labels coming up. You got Enjoy Records. You got all of these little offshoot records. None of it, none of these are affiliated with major yet. None of them. It's just print these 12 inches the best you can and get these records out to the stores and let's see how we can sell records. So then you got Sugar Hill Records. I remember the uh, flashes on the beatboxes on Enjoy Records and then Sugar Hill they didn't have a deal with a lot of these people that had these little record labels. They put the records out and then for the popularity of it, and then Sugar Hill started signing acts, right? They had the sequence was the first hip hop uh uh girl rap group that I saw signed to a label and then all of these record labels start popping up because of the success of uh, Rappers delight, and then remember Curtis Blow got a deal. Yeah, well he had a, he had a single deal, and it depends on how many singles he sold. He getting whether or not he got an album deal, and then he put out like Christmas rapping, and that thing sold like a million easy. Yeah. and all of a sudden he's the first rapper signed to a major label. That's how the majors got into it.
1: Oh,
3: they didn't want to touch it. They did not want to touch it. <laughs> they didn't understand it. They didn't like it. They didn't want to touch it. But when you see something start selling millions of records, <laughs> you touch that's it. when you know you got to touch it now.
1: Yeah, you got to touch it's
3: about, it. It's not about the art anymore. It's about let's make some money off of this thing.
1: Sure. There's so many people even now that are like, you know, just like how does this person have a career? People like them and people buy yeah. their shit. And if people buy their that's shit, right. man, they'll work. They'll work forever. And, but it was always- like, Jake, like Jake Paul. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Any of this, most <laughs> of the social In media balls, people, right? any, like, what the any fuck? girl with a nice ass on Instagram, it's like, yeah. it's like, fuck it, man, yeah. give her money, dude, that yeah. you, until that butt gets You're flappy. Right. Look, like,
3: look, how, look how Kim Kardashian took a fuck tape and turned mm-hmm. it into a billion-dollar industry.
1: Billions dollars, and I hate to say this, I hate to say this, Ed, uh, I am a part of her growth because I was a PA, a production assistant on the first two seasons of Keeping wow. Up with the Kardashians. I know. Um, I know. I'm not proud of it. But people buy into it.
3: So at at some point you can't be mad at it because if people buy into it and they like it and they watch it, it is what it is. And that's just the growth of hip-hop. The labels started buying into it after spring records. I can't remember all them little labels. But they popped up and were signing hip-hop artists and putting these records out. And these records were actually selling a lot of records. More yeah. so than some of the R&B acts and disco acts that they had at the time, hip hop just kind of was a wave. In it, a, it, and just, a it was like a tone. tidal wave, though. It doesn't sound yeah. like sounds like
1: hip hop went from n- nobody knew who the fuck it was until it's like, holy shit, this is a yeah. force to be reckoned with.
3: It was a sub. It was a subculture. Yeah. Yeah, because my dad totally did not get it. Just <laughs> he, did. he just was like, anybody can do that bibbidi-bop, scoop, dop dabbi dot, shit. That's not music. And I was like, Dad, listen to it. I was like, you don't want to turn me on to the last poets. Listen to it, man. These cats are saying something. Oh, they're talking about what kind of cause they got. You know? I'm like, Dad, it evolves. There's other people that's talking about other stuff. You just you have to listen to it,
1: you know, because yeah. they
3: thought it was a passive fancy
1: sure sure and and i mean there was also like a different style of rapping you know back then which you know i i always i have this joke on stage which is like it's like when white people rap now it's like they're almost going down to the basics of what hip-hop was back in the day so they'll be right. at like a company party and it'll be like tina from hr is gonna spit a freestyle <laughs> she's like she's like listen everybody i'm here to say i do the xerox in a major way yeah, that's right. major. Yeah. and that's like that is the roots of the the basic, like you were saying, the guy that did yeah. "Here Comes the Judge." That's what it was, and and so let's before because because I, I mean, literally, hip hop is going to change the second this record we're about to talk uh, talk about comes out. So how did it suddenly go from that style of rapping, the hook and donkey dookie and a scoodily doo to suddenly what we have with Rakim? Like, because that is what I it consider
3: tra- it was a tra- it was a transitional period. Yeah. That's why I I know Rob very, very well. Um, Him and I recently did something with one of my good friends, Carl Banks, for starter, for the anniversary of starter and for the New York Giants. And we all sat in the room and we was talking about it. And I said, can I take my time out right now to give this man his flowers? Because Kim is a game changer. Game changer. Everything was super aggressive before Kim. Even a great run DMC. As great as they are, they were super
1: aggressive. What do you LL mean? You say you say you say aggressive because I mean, was it just like the boasting? Rhyme style, rhyme yeah. style. ha! Remember, Bouting. everything was hurrah. Even Curtis
3: Blow, Melly Mel, Melly Mel, with the clientele. I'm gonna rock your child ring your bell. See, yeah. I'm so bad, I'm so nice. I ride around on the ground and make the world turn twice. Everybody oh, was aggressive. Running and was king of rock. There is none higher, right? Yeah. Making stadium music, right? LL, I can't live without my radio. You know, he slowed it down Well, I need love. But Rock Kim totally changed the way everybody rhymes. Everybody. Rock Kim, if I had to do a a tree of hip hop, Mm Rock Kim's branch, the leaves on that branch is Biggie, Nas, Jay-Z and everybody else that's come after him. Yeah. It's on is on that, uh, or leaves on the Rock him branch on the hip hop tree. Because Rock Kim slowed it down. I remember Molly Maul, great friend, love Molly. And I remember being in a, stu- in a radio station when Molly Maul and Red Alert, both in the room and just me, and I'm standing, and I'm quiet. I'm just sitting in my seat. I'm quiet. And they turn around looking at me. And it's like, hey, what's up with you? I said, I can't believe that I'm lucky enough to say that I know both of you. Wow. Red Alert, who was there from the inception of hip-hop. And then you come with Molly Maul, right? Molly gave us Shan, Shantae, uh, all of these people that were kind of aggressive style artists. And then here comes William Griffin out of Long Island. And he completely slows it down. So Molly was telling me this story about how they did My Melody.
1: Right? It's the, it the first song. It's the first single from the record. Right. Really said, no, no, I'm sorry. No, it was the first B-side. It was the first B-side from, from Eric B. as president. Um, right. Yeah, so go ahead. So go ahead. Sorry about that.
3: So Molly's telling me about Check Out My Melody.
1: And he says, Kim comes into the studio.
3: And in Marley's apartment in Queensbridge yeah, is where this record was recorded. Marley has the mic set up. And Rock Kim says, yo, man, give me a chair and bring the microphone down. And Molly's like, nah, man, you gotta get into it. Like, you know, you gotta let people know what you're talking about. And Rock Kim was like, nah, this this is how I do me, man. I'm laid back. I'm 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 cool. I'm cool with it. And you can feel that from him when you hear even Eric B as president, right? Yeah. You can hear that, that laid backness, that that coolness, that non-aggressive approach that. I would put Eminem on that tree too, on on, on, on as a leaf on the Rockem tree. Has many words that he would put in, and the way that he would, would rhyme was different than the "My name is Cameron, I work at HR, I do Xerox, I'm a superstar." <laughs> yeah. That's the way most people were rhyming, right? But Rockem yeah. switched it up one hundred percent.
1: You know. I mean- yeah, completely. And it's it, like, it's not even just the, you know, the energy that he's putting out. There's a, there's a strong confidence, but humble. Like, like, you know, he's, he's not, he, he's boasting in a way, but it's not like what you were saying of like, I'm the king. I'm the great, you know, it's like.
2: Right. It's like this,
1: is,
3: this, is, this is from a dude that wanted to go to college to play football. This is a dude that had no aspirations of being a rap star. He's just, just rhyme at his school, in the lunchroom, and then uh, a guy that we all know that passed away, that used to be with EPMD all the time, brought Eric B. came to Long Island looking for uh, Freddie Fox. And Freddie Fox wasn't around. And he told, he said, yo, man, I know this dude named Ron Kim. Like, you should check him out. He can rhyme. And they went to Ron Kim's house. He made that record with with, uh, with Molly Maul. They did My Melody and Eric B as President, and he had no aspirations of making this his career. It just kind of happened, and that's kind of like who he is, right? Like yeah. L.L. sent in tapes and tapes and tapes to Def Jam before one of the Beastie Boys heard it and played it for Rick Rubin. L.L. was trying to be a star. Rakim never wanted, he didn't, he didn't have no aspirations of being a hip-hop star. Wow. At all, even though he knew Bismarck and Bismarck, you know, came to his school and he was rhyming with Bismarck doing the beatbox in his lunchroom. That's not what his focus was. His focus was football.
1: And later, he becomes the God MC. So, I, like- I want to ask you this I want to ask you this because, like, you know, being that he had no aspirations to be one of the greatest MCs to ever do it. Did you have any aspirations to be on the radio and to host, you know, one of the most important hip hop shows? Like when you first hit hip hop, did you have any idea that you would suddenly make that fucking, you'd be such a huge part of it?
3: I never knew what happened. I I knew, I knew when I heard LL Cool J, I wasn't good enough to be an MC. I knew
1: that.
4: (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) I, I, I knew I was better than running them from my neighborhood because they was in my neighborhood and I used to rhyme in the park too and at that time, they wouldn't even let Run touch a mic in the park, right? So yeah. I knew I was I was better than them. But later on, they developed into something incredible. But when I heard LL, <laughs> I was like, ooh, maybe I, I'm not that good. But I love hip-hop, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out. And I'm stuck because I'm in the top 40 band playing trumpet at the same time. So I'm stuck between these two worlds, this world of funk and this world of hip-hop. And uh, in 89... You know, I'm already Rock Kim and them is already out. They they burning up the charts, right? Yeah. Eric a president for president is out, and that was like the international song that we all did the wop on. Like when that record came out, you at the Black party, clap your hands, everybody start wopping that, <laughs> that, that, because that record is a um. They took they take an interpolation of over like a fat rap by Fonda Ray. That's yeah. what that baseline is, right? And Eric put that record together, did a fantastic job, but. It was just, it was so incredible, and then it took, it took over. A, huh?
1: It took over, like it, it, it when, over. when 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 the streets heard that song or heard Eric heard Eric B. and Yeah, him, yeah. It, it, it was just a game changing moment in hip hop. Absolutely, and it, and 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 um, you
3: never heard nobody say "came in the door," said it before. I never let the mic magnetize me no more. Like. The mic is magnetizing him to come to the microphone, but it's biting me, fighting me, inviting me to rhyme. I can't hold it back. I'm looking for a line. People didn't know what he was talking about. I'm looking for a line to plug this shit in. Yeah. Right? So I could get busy, take it off my coat, clearing my throat. The robber beast said it until I hit the last note. My rhyme won't refine any kinds of ideas. Self esteem made it seem like the thought took years to build. Right there is crazy. Mm -hmm. but still stay around after the next one prepared, never scared. I just blessed one. And you know that I'm the soloist. So every beat make them clap to this. That was crazy
0: This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
3: And then when he said, you thought I was a... That was the line. People had that on their sweatshirts. You thought I was a donut, you tried to glaze me. What? <laughs> that was like, that was like, what do you yeah. say? Yeah.
4: I heard that was in a response to Janet Jackson. Rakim had some issues with uh what have you done for me lately? Uh where she's oh, bashing her yeah? man. Yeah, just we were oh, reading man, some of man. our researcher Adam's uh notes here. The track touched the nerve for Rakim, who wrote an answer song about it that morphed into Eric B as president. Uh okay. Yeah, so he was, like, pissed off at Janet Jackson, but he was, like, diss tracks or, or kind of out of style, he, he felt. So, right, so he, he just, didn't go
3: full uh, on it. Man, that line right there was on, like, a lot of sweatshirts. <laughs> thought I was a donut, you tried to glaze. Nobody had ever said nothing that slick before. Nobody. I mean, that's as aggressive, as, as great as hip-hop was, as much as we liked hip-hop, nobody said nothing like, you thought I was a donut, you tried to glaze me. It was just, it was, it was, it was amazing. It 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 took the whole world by surprise. I think it even took Rakim by surprise, like how quick that record blew up. And I was on Sakia and Forth and Broadway at the time. Another small layer. Zakia Records was a subsidiary of the Four and Broadway. Forth and Broadway was mostly famous because that's the uh that was a subsidiary of Island, mm-hmm. which was Bob Marley's label.
1: Yeah. Long time Bob Marley yeah. did
3: more numbers on Island Records. Bob Marley, then I think Grace Jones was on there for a while mm-hmm. too. She's on four from Broadway. If I, but for Eric B and Rock Kim, man, that was, that was crazy. We was it just t- loving every minute of it. Everybody was like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And then when we found out that Eric B was from Queens and Rock Kim was from Long Island, we was like, he's one of <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We really like we the champions of hip hop because remember, we had to live through. Manhattan keep making it, Bronze Keeper taking it, Brooklyn get, Queens keep faking it, yeah, from KRS-One. We had to live through that shit that Queens is faking it. And I was like, how are we faking it? We got Run-DMC and LL Cool J and all of these other dudes. And we just had to live with that. And as much as you hated it, you loved the record. Right. And we know <laughs> that, it, we knew it wasn't directed to the whole of Queens, that it was directed to Molly Maul and Shan and Roxanne Tatum. But he included everybody. So when we knew we had another champion, with well, Eric being rock Kim, we were super fucking. We was stoked, dude. Yeah, we was like, "What? He from Long Island? Eric B is from <laughs> Queens."
1: <laughs> nice. We got They're
3: another rivalry. <laughs> we but were was always just... the most underrated borough, and I think. Probably the most underrated borough in New York City. Still absolutely. is. I right.
1: still I still think I still think Queens. I I live in Manhattan. You know, Brooklyn gets all the fucking. Especially yeah. Bro- you know, Brooklyn's like you know you got to pay more to live in Williamsburg now and some of those areas. But Queens, everybody, you dude, you, you go to fucking Ditmar Station all the way up there. You go yeah. to like that's a that's a beautiful area. You get a nice place and live in a nice neighborhood.
3: Yeah, you sure, can And we were the underdogs of hip-hop for a long time. Staten Island was worse than us. And then here comes the Wu-Tang Clan and changed that that narrative
1: (laughs) from fucking
3: ever, right? Yeah. But before Staten Island, it was Queens. It was always, it's the Bronx, it's Brooklyn, it's Manhattan, and then Queens, and then Staten Island. So we were like underrated when it came to hip-hop. Like they used to talk crazy shit about us, tell us we live in the desert, all kind of shit. Like they, Queens was whack to everybody in the city. Even going to the Latin Quarter days, you ain't even want to tell nobody you were from Queens. Like when the Brooklyn dudes used to troop around holding on each other's shoulders, going through the club, yelling, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. And they asked me, where you from, I'd be like, yeah. I, 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 they was taking people's coats and stupid shit like that. And I remember they ran up on me and asked me, I had the sheepskin coat on. And I this when I knew Brooklyn dudes weren't that bright, even though I was born in Brooklyn. Yeah. They asked me where I was from. I was like, I'm from Brooklyn. They was like, where? What's your address? I said 328 Chauncey Street. You know what that is? That's but. fucking Ralph Cramden's address from the honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh, I bet he's from Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn. 328 Chauncey Street. I was like, y'all dumb motherfuckers <laughs> saved me my throat that day. But,
1: sure, yeah, that's a good lambskin.
3: <laughs> but you know, She's Brooklyn good. was known, Brooklyn was known for for taking it. That's what you know, that's what Brooklyn man, you know, you know, the Bronx, you know, Brooklyn and Queens was whack, So when we got Rock Kim and Eric B, it really opened it up for like all of Long Island too, right? For Public Enemy and for De La Soul and for all of them dudes that that came out there and decided to do something. And Rock Kim was just fucking cool. Like it was Rock Kim was fucking cool, dude. I already like, played
4: the sax. Like you can, yeah, yeah. The I just least surprising the thing ever. Of him playing the like-
3: saxophone. <laughs> And he said he patterned his rhyme styles after jazz music. That's where he got the dot, the dot, the dot, 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 dot. You know, everything was different for Rakim. And Rakim just, I just think Rakim was just fucking smart as fuck and thought differently from everybody else when it comes to rhyme patterns and rhyme schemes and metaphors and assimiles. He just wasn't going to be what everybody else was. And, and he wasn't. And again, that's why they call him the God MC
1: yeah and and, out, that, you
2: know?
1: and that still sticks around I mean when you talk about is, the top 10 great, you talk about the top 10 greatest MCs you know not like biggest artists you know but like selling records I'm talking the greatest at the game of spitting rhymes Rakim is Always in that discussion, I went to the uh 50th anniversary, the hip hop showcase thing uh, that this DJ did at uh Radio City Music Hall uh a few months ago, and and they played two or three songs of like 20 or 30 people's art. They had EPMD, they didn't have LL, but they had like I think goddamn, uh, everybody nice and smooth and and just everybody, uh, Sugar Hill, uh. Everybody was here, but when, when Rakim came out, I mean, that was like, was he, stole, he stole the show just, just from the over. reaction from the audience, yeah.
3: Yeah, because Rakim is that fucking cool. He just did, you know, my melody was was crazy. You know what was crazy about my melody too? What's that? The fact, and I tell Rakim this, he's the first person I ever heard say repetition on a hip hop record. That's the first time i ever heard anybody say my repetition of words is check out my melody. That's the, that's the 21 MCs record right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that. You said I take seven MCs, put them in a line, at seven more brothers who think they can rhyme. It'll take seven more before I go for mine. That's 21 MCs eight up at the same time. We was all there like this <laughs> seven times three is uh, Oh shit. That is 21. That's 21. That's that those are the kind of rhymes that made him stand out from anybody else anybody is the fact that he would say shit like that that make you scratch your head like we had tape right it was tapes you mm-hmm. rewound that shit right kim was a person that made you rewind his music and his
1: tape so you could absolutely comprehend what he was saying. saying? Yeah. You almost have to write it out. Like, I remember like, that's, that's how I used to get lyrics when I was a little kid, you know, I would just like, listen to the tape, get a line, write that down, play, push play, write that down. And he's somebody that you want, you want to, it's almost like, you know, being able to rhyme over, with other people's shit, sure. Being able to rhyme like a Rakim song, because I really got into him when it came to uh, the, the, the Eric, uh, the Don't Sweat the Technique. That was the right. shit that I really, you know, because Juice was what really, that was where I think I first really heard him. And then from there, it was like, Know the Ledge, Don't Sweat the Technique. And then oh I went back God. and got into know this shit.
3: oh And didn't find out that he played live drums on that record? Did he really? Yes. Or no? the ledge. He played the mm. drums. He did. He produced that record. Oh my God. They went in dude. and played the drums. That record right there. That record's so hard. Oh my God. And, and what's that funny. So
1: and, I, and I know, and I know that jazz had already been sampled before that, but it was just like, talk about like, when I think of it, like, I know, like, Tribe Call Quest gets a lot of love for it, but goddamn, like, the a lot of those jazz samples, those, right. I mean, that is, like, yeah. it's, it's just brilliant. I mean. Mother, I
3: think his godmother is a jazz singer. I think it might have been Sarah Vaughn. Really? I think it's is Rod Kemp's godmother. Yeah. So, he grew, up, he grew up in that era. That's why he was playing saxophone. That jazz music was in his system. So I guess it was just a natural progression for Rock Kim to take, you know, don't sweat the technique. Yeah. It's all over the place. And nobody else could could rhyme like that. You know, yeah. you had Kane and Kane, I love Kane. Kane is always gonna be in my top five too. But Kane was more literal, get bold, it just can't hold back and fold because I'm a man of soul. He control of the effects of what the heck. Rock the disco and his group is what's next. Mm-hmm. A groove the tat the ta ta eh, Rock eh, was like eh. And you were like, yo, what the fuck did this guy just say? And how does he make it all make sense? How does he how he do it? I I never know. But like you said, when Rock Kim comes out any show, Rock the bells. Rock the Bells and Queens uh, uh, last year that I hosted with Roxanne Shantae. When Rock came out, it was That's different. It. Yeah, Hip, Mary J. Blige could do Sweet Thing, and I've seen her do this, and just hold the microphone out. Rock Kim does, paid in full, and he don't say a fucking word. <laughs> the audience says the whole <laughs> song. Sure. He don't say shit. The audience says, all, that is the true testament of a great MC when you don't have to say nothing and the, the audience to say the whole fuck. I've seen him do it on many occasions. The audience just does paid and full.
1: That's is it. it. Is it, is it, is paid in full. One of, if not the, I mean, is it? I mean, how important in hip hop is the song "Paid in Full"?
3: Well, shit, the movie "Paid in Full" wouldn't never happen if that record didn't happen. Sure, it's it's up there. It's up there. It's 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 probably because it don't have a hook. There's no hook. Yeah, there isn't. You you know, hip hop songs was beginning verse. You know, hook. Verse, verse, hook, verse, you know, and then maybe out. Either three or four verses. This is really like one verse. Yeah. And then they, and then they talking. You go to your girl house, and I go to mine, because my girl's definitely mad for us to do You know what I mean? Yeah. So let's pump the music up and count our money. Yo, check it out. Yo, Eli, turn the bass up, let the beat keep on rocking, and we out of here. What happened to peace? Peace, peace. It ain't no pay, 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 paid in full because I'm paid in full. I'm yeah. paid in full. Yeah. It says hit the studio because I'm paid in full. That's the only time he says paid in full.
1: Crazy. Yeah.
3: Man, That's I it. The plate of fish, which is my favorite dish, but without no money, it's still a wish because I don't like to dream about getting paid. So I'll. Turn it to the books of the rounds that I made. tune tests and test to see if I got pulled. Hit the studio because I'm paid in full. That's
1: the, it. And and it's like I'm I'm reading some of the. It's like he's not talking about. He's not flaunting it, it wealth. Very very humble. The uh, freedom to buy a plate of fish and get paid for honest work. I mean that's so right. against the grain of everything yeah. that hip hop has turned into. Absolutely. You know. Uh, I I used to roll
3: up, this is a hole up, ain't nothing funny, but still don't nothing move but the money. But here it is. Now I learned to earn because I'm righteous. It feels great. So maybe I might just search for a nine to five. If I strive, then maybe I'll stay alive. So I walk up the street, whistling this, feeling out of place, because man, do I miss a pen and a paper, a stereo or a tape me and Eric B and a nice big plate of fish, which is my favorite dish. But without no money, it's still a <laughs> wish. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's like, I'm, I'm fucked up. Yeah. I'm broke. I yeah. used to run up on a motherfucker and be like, give it to me. You know what it is. This is a whole up. But I'm not doing it that no more because I'm righteous. Do you know how many people that record influenced to walk the righteous path? That's brilliant, and he's so humble that he don't he don't get it. One of the greatest moments of my life, I promise you. I walked off that stage and I said, "I can die right now." I was in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, and they used to have something going on out there where this promoter would bring all these hip hop acts every year. And this was in the two thousands. And the one year he, I remember, he had Public Enemy out there. Wow. This is one of the greatest things I have ever seen too. And Scarface just happened to be in town. And Scarface came out with Public Enemy. It oh, was doing public wow. Enemy songs. It was crazy. Rock Kim was on the show. I introduced Rock Kim. Rakim. Rock Kim comes out. He gives me that, what's up, Ed? Y'all know my man, Ed Lover. Ed's my boy, blah, blah, blah. He starts rocking. Now I'm sitting, I'm still on the stage, sitting there. And after two songs, he looks at me and go, Come on, Ed. You know these songs, right? Back me up, no and I backed way. him up for the oh, rep- dude,
4: <laughs> bro, That's special.
3: I back rock him up for the whole entire. I walked off that stage like I could get hit by a car right now. I'm going to <laughs> hip hop heaven. I'm fucking good, bro. Well,
1: you- I am good. Can I tell you something, but I mean this, and this is like, this is the question I asked you earlier is, dude, you've lived a hip hop cream dream. You have, you have, you have not, it's all been that dude. You're, when you talk about hip hop, this guy, like you were saying he was playing what trumpet in a funk band. Is that what you said? Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Motherfucker, you when I think of hip-hop, I can't not think of yo MTV raps. One of the most important well, and I don't think of of you know uh you know I don't think of like Funkmaster Flex or Fab Five Freddy. I think of you, I think of you, motherfucker, and Dre. That's thank who I you. think of because that was thank the you. show that I watched. So how? Yo,
3: bro, I just saw uh, <laughs> something on YouTube the other day. I saw it on Instagram, it was a clip of Double Trouble from WildStyle. Yeah, right? And I look in the back, and there's fucking Fat Five Freddy. So I go back, and I watch Wild Style again, and he's in the whole fucking movie. Really? I'm like, yo, Fab is like the coolest motherfucker. <laughs> I'm like, look at this motherfucker. This just way before I knew Fab. I heard of Fab because of Rapture. Yeah. And he was in the video. Fat Five Freddy said that everybody's fly. So I didn't know who the fuck Fat Five Freddy really was until Yo! TV Raps. And I'm like, yo, Fab is an ambassador. Like, Fab was there. Because Fab was a graph writer. Yeah, and Graffiti really? is. Yeah, he wrote Fab all over the place. Fab Five, you can see that shit all over the place. And I never knew who the dude was, but I used to see the tags when I got on the train and stuff. And when I met him, I was like, yo, this is the dude. Like, you were in wild style, dude. Like, in the late 70s, 78, 79, you were around hip-hop. 80, 81, he was directing hip-hop videos. I was like, yo, this dude right here, man. I take my hat off to Fab. Fab is the reason Dre and I were on TV.
1: Really? Yeah, take us there. Because yeah. that's this is this Here's is like reason. you, we nailed, we talked, we rock it. we got it. I want to know. Right. I want to know your story now because I've I'm, I'm been such people, a fan for years. Three people were at the helm of us
3: being on your own TV raps and one of them is Fab Five Freddy. Well, okay. of course the bosses had to green light it, but sure. the wonder kid at MTV at that time was a, a young kid by the name of Ted Demi Garry Russell. Yeah, God,
1: Ted Demi, man. Yeah, yeah, Ted
3: went on to do life. He went on to do a lot A, a Great a lot director, of a great,
1: great director. Great director uh, whose who's uncle,
3: who's uncle was Jonathan Demi, who did Silence of the Lambs, yes, right? Yes, very and important. And Ted was, me and Ted was cool. So when I knew Jonathan, I knew Ted for a long time from like junior high school. Yeah, I knew Ted because Ted's father was part of the Episcopalian diocese and my best friend Kurt's mother was part of the diocese of Episcopalian. So when they had retreats and all of that, she didn't want Kurt to get into nothing crazy. So she'd be like, bring me along. And I was with Kurt on these religious retreats and we meet this white kid named Ted yeah. who was fucking cool as fuck that knew hip-hop the way we knew hip-hop and loved them and lived right there in Rockville Center. So the friendship grows and it bonds, and we start bringing our guys over to Ted Block to play him and his friends and two-hand touch football or whatever. We knew each other. We kept in touch all through high school, and then he goes to Cortland State. Now, he's, he's on the radio at Cortland State, and he's bartending in this place called 2D Saloon, and he's on the radio, and he tells us, to come up for this Courtland State picnic, unlike any fucking thing I've ever seen. I've never seen somebody give you, if you're over 21, a band, and they have all of these beer trucks all over the place with the spouts in the side of the fucking truck. So you just handing them your cup, and they just giving you a fucking cup of beer and handing it back to you. Yeah. So Ted's on the on the radio like, the brothers are coming, the brothers are coming, and here we come in a fucking minivan, about 15 of us, And we get to the door to the saloon, this fucking giant linebacker white boy goes, You guys must be the brothers. And we're like, yeah, we the brothers. And we walk (laughs) in and we get drunk and we just fucking had a good. So so fast forward, Ted's on MTV. He's a production assistant at first. Then he works his way up. And then I start seeing his name. I didn't even have MTV in my house. I went to somebody else's house and I see Ted Demi. And I'm like, yo, that's I wonder if that's the same Ted that we knew. Sure. And I get like, yeah, Kurt's like, yeah, that's Teddy over at MTV. Then they do the pilot show for your MTV Raps. And I see produced Ted Demi, Peter Darty. And I asked Kurt again, yo, is that Ted? He said, yeah. And then I see Fab show come on in '88. I see Ted again. I'm like, yo, I have to get on to this shit. Like, I know hip hop, like I know the back of my fucking hand. I love this shit. I start fucking bugging Ted, bro let me get on, let me get on, let me get on. Ted's like, nah, right now, you know, they're only doing Fab Show or whatever. I said, well, let me get on and do a record report. Let me do a movie something, report. Something. Let me do something because I know hip hop. He's like, yeah, we're just going to stay with Fab. So Ted calls me one day and says, Ed, they want to do a daily show. Fab. This is where Fab comes in. Fab doesn't want to do it because he doesn't want to be overexposed. And he got so much other shit going on. Like, I didn't know Fab and Basquiat was best friends. I didn't know oh, that. Wow. wow. I didn't know right now you can't get a Basquiat unless you go through Fab. He represents the family.
4: No shit. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's he crazy. curates
3: all the Basquiat's in the fucking museums around the world. He has his own. Ba- Fab will never work again if he doesn't want to. Yes, not. <laughs> he has fucking original Basquiat sketches that were given to him. Fab is fucking straight. So Fab doesn't want to do it. Ted has to now put together a daily show. So Ted calls me. Peter Dougherty knew Dre. Dre used to DJ for the Beastie Boys on the road. Mm-hmm. Dre had a group called Original Concept, right, that was signed to Def Jam. So Peter knows Dre. He has Dre come in. Dre auditions before me. Then he's off into Peter's office. I saw Dre when I walked in. I don't know Dr. Dre from a can of fucking paint. Never met this dude before in my life. He was on a radio out in Long Island at Delphi University. I'm in Queens. That's way out there. Different and world. we had to put fucking tinfoil on an antenna on the radio to pick that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Never yeah. Heard him. yeah, yeah. I knew about Original Concept, but I wasn't, like, a huge fan of the group. I knew the record me. I thought it was dope. And I was like, okay. And he was like, yo, I'm Dr. Trey. I was like, oh, what's up, bro? I'm Ed. And uh, he goes off to Peter's office and then Ted puts me on tape, right, on that big, stupid-ass VHS tape, and the camera is huge. And... <laughs> so he puts me on that shit, and then he calls Peter, and he goes, Peter, is Dre still in your office? He's like, yeah. He said, "Send him down. So Dre comes down. Now it's Dre and I together in the office, and Ted goes, let me put something on tape for y'all two together. So I'm sitting there. I'm trying to figure out what we want to do. And I says, Dre, um, what's your background? you are Jamaican, right? He's like, yeah, I'm Jamaican. He's like, I'm like, can you do a Jamaican accent? He's like, yeah. Ted had came from Jamaica and he had like the dreadlock wigs that, you know, is the hat, but he got the dreads. Yeah. So he had two of them. So I put one on, Dre put one on, and we start interacting in his Jamaican accents, like introducing <laughs> videos. And Ted goes, that's it, Laurel and Hardy. That's what I want. He said, it's going to be a studio show. Fab yeah. is going to be on the road. Y'all would be at home in the studio most of the time but it's a different look it's a different aesthetic dre's fat you're skinny this is what i want yeah. <laughs> and he took it upstairs and that's how we got it and when did
4: you first what time of day was it it was on at midnight or 10 or what no time? we were it on
3: this day right daytime like yeah, three or four was, o'clock in the afternoon yeah oh, we dude, it was it was, it was come home
1: from kids. school it was come from yeah, school as as came it
3: came home from school You on tv raps was was right
1: there it was so dude great. it was it was prime time right away jerry it was like
3: because yeah. it, it was half so... an hour at first it came on after hard 30. Uh, it, yeah, was, it a... was it was it was club mtv then hard 30 and then your TV raps and that's that what
1: that you... afternoon block and that's what you found out man i mean like I, I mean i can't tell you how many different artists i experienced and learned about from your TV raps just like i did from headbangers ball you know, there right. was, MTV was, was the That's radio. That's came on after us.
3: It was, it was Club MTV. God, dude. The-
1: Club MTV. Oh, I, dude, I used yeah. to, I used to, I used to, those were some of the first well, boners I ever got from Redfin, Club right? MTV. That was Ricky Rackman, right? <laughs> that, Ricky Rackman was Headbangers Ball. Do you, do you remember, right. do, you, do you remember the grind? The grind was, <laughs> yeah. that was, that was softcore yeah. porn back in yeah, the day, bro.
3: <laughs> Eric Neese. Eric Nees, just hot chicks dancing. I I, I used to call Eric Nees the fake Monk Wahlberg, right? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah, dude. Dude, because he never had his shirt on. He swore he was monkey mark I was like, I ever go to
1: Dude, school though. I would add I more questions, but I want to tell this story because it's so funny. It's like, uh, Jeremiah, you'll know this. So, me and Tassos and a bunch of kids went to this party. We, we grew up in Montgomery County, Maryland. We go to our first like party with alcohol and everything. And we walk three miles to the party. And then at like 2 a.m., we walk three miles back to my parents' house. And it's like me and five of my, my friends all in my living room. And we put on MTV to fall asleep. And I'm laying on the couch. And suddenly I wake up. In the, I just wake up and I have a Charlie horse and I jump up and I'm like, ah, ah, and my buddy Tassos wakes up and he sees me doing like, ah, ah, but he sees the grind on MTV. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, ah, Charlie horse, Charlie horse. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, dude. It's like, you, can, you know, people will never understand like these kids and I hate to say like kids, I'm not going to be that guy that's like, they don't get it and what we had was this, but man, we were fucking there for the creation of what all this shit has become and and, and there would be no social media no nothing without what y'all did hip-hop would never be what it is today without yeah. the two of you guys man it absolutely was it was very absolutely. important and
3: i always say i always say you know certain things happen at a certain time right you look at it and you say wow jordan never made more than 32 million dollars in a single season but jordan. it was the nike money that kept them that created him to be a billionaire, right? And then you look at a guy like uh Jason Brown from the Celtics, not knocking it, but how do you how do you say this guy is worth $55 million a season? He's never yeah. won a fucking championship. Nothing. Oh, because he's been here for seven years, and for seven years we went to the playoffs. It's like the the pioneers never get the money. Cool Herc and them guys never got did just do. They paid. never got the money. They never got paid. And they created something that was so astronomical and astounding. That they, you know, that they they should have got paid, you know, but they they never really got their just due. I just found out that there was, I think it was, I don't remember who it was. I think they gave Herc like $500,000 or something like that, spearheaded by Swiss Beats. But they tried to give back to the pioneers who didn't get paid off of this music. You know, this music has spread out so much. If I had social media, I'd have had a fucking hundred million followers.
1: Hundred percent, dude. You, easy, easy. You would have had it, yeah.
3: Easy you know? because we were, we were the international hip hop show. We mm-hmm. were on everywhere, bro. It wasn't just the United States. We were on all over the fucking world, all over, and every time we travel abroad we could we could feel that shit.
4: We're the fans we uh, where the fans show you the most love? Do you see it in England, Germany England England England,
3: okay. France, Germany cause a the lot French of, love hip hop, <laughs> Yeah. a lot of cool, like army bases and air Force bases and shit in Germany. So a lot of those kids were there. So we got a lot of love. like the Germans took to it like fucking immediately. And the Netherlands real, mm-hmm. real cool. Japan was unfucking believable, um because they didn't even fucking speak English, but they knew all the videos and all the shit like that, so you know it was just like we didn't understand what kind of a worldwide phenomenon this show was, yeah, I was gonna and ask they, you about
4: uh Tupac and uh movies i mean juice uh I know already Josh was talking about you know staying up to watch uh the movie last night, who's the man but uh you know, you announced Tupac's death. Like, I mean, I, I, I had
3: to. Thank thank you to Nas. I will forever be indebted to Nas for that moment because he's the one that told me to go out there and do it. I told him. I heard it on the radio on the way to Nassau, uh, Nassau County to that stadium where they had a show. I heard Angie Martinez say it on the radio. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, you know, um, I had been on. I was still on Hot 97 in the morning, and um, when I heard it, I was like, "Yo, I gotta go." And I'm gonna tell you know I had a backstage pass, so Nas is on stage. So I tell this man, to tell yo, you gotta tell Nas to come here. So he comes over to in be in between songs. I go, Yo, Nas is just was confirmed. Angie just confirmed it. Tupac died this evening. You gotta go out there and tell the audience. We gotta show some respect for dude, right? And Nas was like, nah, big dog, you, uh, you know me, you do it. And he gave me a microphone and, and, and let me go out there and uh, and announce it. And then years later, he contacts me on King's Disease 2. There's a song on there that's called Death Row East. And the last thing you hear on the song is me announcing that uh, Tupac had wow. died. So I made a Nas record too. Wow! <laughs> That's wow! That. Shit! That's Wait, kind and, of dope.
1: and so then, then let me ask you this question because I don't, I didn't want to like really venture into this, but I'm curious if, if being that 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 New York, you know, Nas is so New York, and you know, even though Tupac is is from Baltimore, but like really L.A. adopted him as home, and there was that beef between the East and the West. Like, was there really was there really a beef, or was there more of just this? this love, because it sounds like if Nas is like, you got to do it and I can't do it because it hurts too much, that he actually cares about this guy that's working yeah, for Death they Row. Yeah, because
3: whatever little beef they had, they had squashed their beef already.
1: They did, okay.
3: Yeah, so their beef was done. And we, we understood what it was at the time. Anybody that was in the business at that time knew that it was more or less Death Row bad boy. Mm-hmm. None of the other artists, none of the other labels, None of that other shit had nothing to do with it. The media hyped it up because death row was the number one label in the West coast. Yeah. And at that time, bad boy was ruling the East coast with more radio hits than probably anybody could shake a stick at, at that time. Yeah. That was, that really what it was. It was Suge Puffy. Suge didn't like puff for some reason. Suge wanted to be the king of the mountain and look what that got him. Right. And, um, he didn't like Puff, so when he made that statement at the Source Wars, which was hosted by me and Dre, yeah, if you don't watch, yeah, that was the, that was very much a lot of tension, and I think, you know, the West Coast took it a certain way because that was one day that I can honestly say they was gonna beat the shit out of them boys. Really? I mean, they had like they had like a a a, a, a they had like a a, a, a mafia fucking meeting of or like all the heads of the five families like got backstage like, we not letting these motherfuckers come to New York and talk this disrespectful shit. We might not love Puff either. We might not want that shiny soup bullshit in hip hop, yep. but he's New York and you are not gonna come to New York and talk that bullshit about us. Two great things happened at that show, she said that shit, and that's the same show that Outcast, Outcast. won. Yep, Outcast.
4: And Drake said legendary. That Outcast, Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Out- out, dude Outcast, i was just in atlanta and and i dude i went dude i went to magic city just to pay my respect i went to to the best strip club in the world i went to mary max it got it was just I, it's such a such a great area and, and like yeah that was such an important thing out of all of that that you said that tension to have outcast come yeah, out and be Dre, like no, man Dre,
3: Dre, said the south got something to say yeah and god did they have something to say you know, nobody could predict it like that. I loved Outkast at the time. New York just wasn't ready for it. Yeah. that's a, And they felt slighted, you know? Sure. And, uh, yeah, like everybody did. Like, it took a while for, you know, NWA to even catch on in New York, too short to catch on in New York. You know, they were already bubbling and we just, we were so New York. When you're from New York, you know, you kind of live in a fucking strange bubble. You know, there's 18 million people, 600 different languages. Yep. Somebody come out trying to do something that you invented, you're like, get this bullshit out of here. <laughs> but we opened it up. And I think that's one of the great things about Yom TV Raps is we opened hip hop up for the entire country really and did, for man. the entire world. And we kind of introduced people to artists that were in different cities and different states that they might not have ever heard about unless they saw it on television. Yeah. And vice yeah. versa. You know, a lot of the artists like you know, Kane and the you, that their um, their shows got a lot bigger after TV rides because now they can play in these little towns where they couldn't mm-hmm. play it before. You
4: That's a big deal, especially for a couple of white kids from uh, from Montgomery County, Maryland. <laughs> like, what?
3: Let me I mean, ask you a question: Hip hop's yeah. the biggest
4: uh, hip music hop is for every fucking world.
3: body, man. Yeah. There's this guy that 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 be on the internet all the time by the name of Doctor Umar, and and him and I just got into a little disagreement because he went on to say that Eminem could not be one of the greatest of all time because he's white. And I'm like, first of all, Dr. Umar, who the fuck are you to even yeah. be talking about hip hop? Like you wasn't there. You don't understand that some of the, some white people have made incredible contributions to hip hop. That's like saying pun or fat Joe can't be one of the greatest because they are not African-American cause they are Puerto Rican or saying Ruby D or Charlie Chase from that was the DJ and the MC or Tito from the Fantastic Five uh uh Fantastic Four don't count because they were dabbling in something that was created by African Americans. Hip hop is for every fucking body. Everybody. Okay? Eminem is not fucking vanilla ice. Eminem Eminem is nice on the fucking mic. If he wasn't, Jay-Z wouldn't have no record with him. Dr. Yeah. Dre went to produce no fucking tracks for him. Fifty Cent wouldn't to did no record for him. Get it? Do the break. Why is Eminem always the poster child for white rappers that don't fucking belong? And my thing was, bro, I was, I was, I've been in since '89. The shit really popped off in '77. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I wasn't there from the beginning. And when we was rocking in the golden era, we don't fucking know you, bro. You wasn't there. So if you not, if you've never played professional football, you can't go on TV talking shit about football. Yeah. You weren't around hip hop. You're not a part of this fraternity. Yeah. And we consider ourselves a fraternity. You're not a part of it. Shut the fuck
4: up.
3: <laughs> and I got a lot of flack for that. Oh, here go Ed, Uncle Tom, and taking up for the white boy. No, I'm taking up for fucking hip hop.
1: Yeah. We yeah. spread
3: the gospel of this shit for everybody to enjoy. There's been French rappers there's been English rappers, there's been German rappers, there's been dudes from all over the place. There's Nigerian, there's Dominican dudes that only sell records in Spanish-speaking countries all over the place. They can't be hip-hop because they not, or they can't be one of the greatest. Who's the fuck to say who the greatest is anyway?
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: It's never ending. We can say who one of the greatest is, but you can't. you can't take... What do you quantify as being the greatest? Do you take sales? What do you take? What, what makes somebody one of the greatest in hip hop?
1: What do you? What do you? What do you? I was like, actually this is a question I want to ask you. What do you consider? Like, so if I had to say, what are your five? Who are your five? I don't and, have any. I get this oh. question
3: all the time. Really? I don't. Get, I don't have a top five. It's ever. It's an ever evolving. I could. I usually go. This is the way I explain to people about the LeBron James and Michael Jordan comparison. Yeah. Go by errors. Go by who is the best in their era. Yeah. There's no top five of nothing. Because there's going to be some cat, and and we might be dead and gone, but there's going to be some cat that's going to break the singles, you know, going to break the all-time scoring record that LeBron has. Yeah, Yeah. there is. There's going to be some cat out there that's going to fucking end up getting like five or six straight or maybe seven straight championships. And people are going to be like, he's better than LeBron. He's the greatest of all time there's always going to tout somebody to being the greatest of all time. In certain eras, in that very early era, Melly Mel, Kumo D, those guys right there, that's that, 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 77. Okay, so then you can put Rakim in there. You can put KRS-One in there. You can put LL in there. But can you split up a group? Can you say it's run and not, you know what I mean? So it's so many little things to it. Do you say- The game evolves. you know? Right. Do you say this guy is better because he sold more records? Shit, Vanilla I sold a lot more records than a lot of people. Is he in your top five? No. As an MC, or are we going just lyrics? Nothing more, nothing less. What well, a true MC is, a master of ceremonies. And I still couldn't do it because uh, I'm going to yeah. leave somebody out and I'm going to be like, God, how did I not say Kane, right? How did I not say the mighty KRS one? Yeah. How did I, you know, and people that. Really didn't curse that much that, you know, that were like fan favorites of my mom. Like Heavy D was fucking incredible. Like, I love Heavy Day D. Yeah. There, there's no biggie without Heavy D. <laughs> there's there's no pun. have made it cool to be big. Remember the fat boys were looked upon, we liked them, but they were looked upon as more of a novelty act. Yeah. Because so. they did a lot of records about eating and being fat and all that. Heavy just said, "I'm I'm the overweight lover. Look at me, girls love me. Girls always squeeze me. Heavy, let me squeeze you. He didn't dwell on being a big guy, but his name was Heavy D. And then you have Big, and then you have Pun, and then you had all of these guys that didn't have to worry about their weight anymore because Half made it cool. Like contribution wise, there's too many people for me to say that there's a top five. I think yeah. Black Thought is incredible. I think yeah. most oh, definitely yeah. incredible. They don't sell a lot of reggae. but I still think they're incredible. They're incredible MCs. I think Bun B is incredible.
1: Oh my god, have you had have you had Trill Burgers yet?
3: Oh, it's incredible.
1: Oh, it's a go. yeah. I was, uh, I, cause I, I, it was crazy. I was doing, I do these like man on the street things and I was out in Times Square with my camera guy and I run into Slink Johnson and Bun B and they're working for Rock the Bells. And so I get to ask Bun B a bunch of questions about music. And I was like, what's your favorite song ever? And he's like, he's like Karma Police by Radiohead. And it, and I put that clip up and explains why, right. but it gets, it gets millions of views. Cause you're getting this legend of hip hop who's saying people would have expected it to be, you know. Right. Uh, you, know, so like, or- you know, yeah, or fucking, you know, fight the power or something, right? For, you know, famous in hip hop, and it's to be this rock show. And that is because, you know, music, it transcends everything. It, tr- it transcends race, it transcends age. It's like whether you are, like we said, if you're a French kid or you're a kid from Germantown, Maryland, or you're a black kid from Chicago you know music hits you when it's supposed to hit you and that's right yeah and it's it's a beautiful thing and i love it's really in
3: in in the way in the way that it hits you and it's for everybody and i hate when people try to pigeonhole it like okay you want to hold on to it because okay we didn't make the most money off of it that we should have and a lot of people got taken advantage of by a lot of labels but that shit been going on for the longest period of time. It went on with rock, it went on with R&B, it went on with jazz. Whatever the popular music was, The regular company gonna find a way of screwing the shit out of you. Yeah, That's just (laughs) the way it is, right? That's like going to a comedy club. You do stand-up, I do stand-up. It's like going to a comedy club and the shit don't sell out and the promoter come to you and go, well, you know, I can't pay you where I was supposed to pay you because look, nobody came to see it. Motherfucker, I ain't the promoter. You the promoter, so how you gonna blame it on me? And that's the same way with music. We created this shit. Somebody create a black man didn't create the electric guitar. Does that mean Jimi Hendrix can't be one of the greatest guitar players of all time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You are it's right. Just
3: stupid. It's just, that argument to me is just, is, is, is fucking dumb.
1: No. And, and I completely agree with you here. Let's, let's wrap this up. Let's get you out of here. I want to ask you a couple questions. We ask everybody this and dude, you could not have been, this was such a great episode and so perfect i'm so happy that you came on to talk about this because thank you dude i appreciate it 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 really just to get this inside look on on rakim and hip hop and and how important like you said all of this that we've talked about is to the to to music i mean it was just it was perfect um so back to this record what is your favorite song on paid in full paid in full paid in full is there anything is there anything on the album that you skip over? Chinese arithmetic problem. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a little boring little, <laughs> little, it's it's little, little little and a little boring. A yeah. little dated. A little dated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Can you fuck to this record?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I Know You Got Soul. Yeah, you could definitely. I did a parody of I Know You Got Soul. Really? Yeah. It's pretty nasty too. I did a parody of I Know You Got So
1: Where can we find it? Is it on like uh, YouTube I never shit?
3: record it. I'll record it just for you, but it, it, it goes, a little <laughs> bit of it goes, um, it's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you. Without a warm bed to step to, think about all the week's sex you slept through. Time's up. I'm sorry I kept you thinking of this you didn't want to miss. My dick get hard for a take a piss. And you laying in my bed with your legs in the air soon. As I finish, run to the bathroom. Let me pump your pussy till it overflow. Then you grab a towel, cause there you go. It's a fall of the word and the word ain't sold. When I'm doing work, I'm in your hole. I make you come like a red alert. <laughs> I eat your pussy, you go berserk. Just take the same boring guy you got stuck with, can look at all the new positions I've come up with. Look at my dick, my shit is big, phenomenal. I'll fuck you heart like I did a long time ago. It could be done, Now only I could do it. Now do you wanna clap your hands or fuck to it? I start to think, and then I sink into the pillow because your pussy stink. When I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm trapped in between the sheets, I escape. When a nut is released, I'm in your hole. Dude,
1: that, you heard it here first people. You heard it here first. I did that a long
3: time ago when I know you got stoned, came but I used to love the right parodies, So I wrote that shit.
1: Oh, it's great. Uh, yeah. this is, this is a question I'm going to ask specifically for you before I ask the last question, what would be your, what would be the moment? Like, and I know you talked about going up there and rhyming with Rakim, but from, from working on your MTV raps, what was your favorite like moment that you can remember? Like There's two that, of them. There's it?
3: two of them. I know he's a much maligned man now in his older age. After we found out some of the stuff that he allegedly did. Yeah, that was Bill Bill Cosby. Before sure. week at the height of the Cosby Show, and then he had me on the Cosby Show, and the other one was the Godfather Soul James Brown. Yeah, because James Brown being like the the most sampled person in the history of hip hop. Having James Brown on that show with Dr. Dre and myself and T Money shooting a week of shows with James Brown was that was the ultimate ultimate for me, and just for him to be who he was. He's he's very business like, very smart. He knew his shit. Everybody on that set had to call him Mr. Brown, except for me, Dre, and T Money. Really, we're the only ones he allowed to call him James. Even his assistants were Mr. Brown, Mr. Wow. Brown, Mr. Brown. <laughs> Even the cameraman, even the pro- producers that came because you know when you guys come of that magnitude come, everybody comes.
1: Sure, to yeah. So exactly even there.
3: all the all the heads of MTV that was like, James up uh, Mr. Brown. Hot. My name is James, my first name. So only me, Dre, T Money got to call him James. And that was that was it for me, man.
1: That is that's that's the top, dude. I mean, yeah, that's that the hardest, me. hardest working man in show business. Yeah. You know, and know he comes and does joe mtv raps i mean how could he not it's it's the hottest show on television and he's he's, he's, he's the grandfather somehow his breakbeats are like yeah. you said are the most sampled of hip-hop yeah. there is no hip-hop without somebody cutting without up his fucking shit.
3: funky drama and yep. a lot of the other shit he put out yeah
1: <laughs> yep mm-hmm. all right what what would be your elevator pitch to get someone to listen to rakim and eric b paid in full the album My elevator pitch
3: would be, hey, have you ever heard Eric B. and Rakim?
1: No, I never
3: heard of them before. Well, what kind of music do you like? Well, I like rock. Do you love like Eric Clapton? Yeah, well, Rakim is the Eric Clapton on a a microphone. You need to listen to this. This is not your average regular hip-hop. If you love Coltrane, then you will love Rakim's wordplay. It's in the same vein. Is yeah. that creative? If you're a jazz cat and you love Miles Davis, so you love Wynton Marsalis, then you need to hear this young man. He's more than an MC; he's a poet. He's he's incredible. If you love poetry, then you gotta sit back and listen to Rakim. And you could go online and find acapella versions. Just listen. If you don't like the music, just listen to what he's saying. That would be my elevator pitch. No and matter what kind of music that you like, Rakim is the epitome on the top
1: notch of the person that you like in that genre. I love that. I love that. I love that. You, that you put Clapton, cause he Clapton. there. We say Clapton's God, you know, the way he played guitar and, and uh, you know, like you said, dude, it's, it's Rakim is, is the fucking man. He's the top. He's a yeah, criminal for the record, uh
3: Jimi Hendrix is actually the good dog. Sure, 100%. Guitar.
1: <laughs> Facts. Hey, Eric Clapton stole a lot of shit from For Jimmy sure. Him. For sure. For sure. Promote away, dude. Anything you want to promote? What do you have going on yes, that we can, we can find Everybody you? Everybody listen to
3: my podcast. It's called Come On, Sign the Podcast. It's nice. six and a half years strong. Recently signed a syndication deal with uh, Odyssey. So that's coming soon. I'm on 15 stations of Odysseys right now. And we just did a new syndication deal, so that is going to happen. Ninety-four-seven block in New York City every night from seven to eleven is the Ed Lover Experience. So you can hear me there back in New York on the radio where I belong, and just look at look for me on a, on a on a comedy stage near you. Um, I'm gonna be out actually hosting with. Uh, Jokes No Chaser tour with, with uh, D.L. Hughley and Cedric the Entertainer oh, wow. and Bruce Bruce, Earthquake and Lunell. So they're going to move Bruce. Bruce was hosting. They're going to move Bruce into a set and let me host. So Oh, I love that. that.
1: Yeah, it's going to be great. Oh, that's great. Now, I dude, that's I, I don't know all of them, but Lunell is my fucking girl. And that's like.
3: Lu- Lunell keeps feeling my ass every time I'm around. I told she's, you, she's going to be some pussy. She keeps
1: playing. She's throwing it, dude. She always throws. Don't make a difference how old that she's bitch is. Throw it at
3: you. I'll be like, <laughs> Lunell, you don't want that. Be, I fuck with her all the
1: time. I love it. I love it. Dude, this was so great. Thank you for coming on, brother. Thank, thank you. Man. Thank y'all
3: for having me, man. Peace, love and, and, Peace and love and blessings. Have forever, baby. You know it.
1: Puyakasha. That's what I'm talking about. Ed Lover, ladies and gentlemen. Follow him on Instagram at Ed Lover on Twitter at Mr. Ed Lover. Listen to his radio show and check out his podcast. Come on, son. Anywhere you get your pods. Now, for new music, you are listening to Flatbush rap duo The Underachievers, and you're listening to the song Stone Cold of the 2019 record The Lords of Flatbush 3. And you can find all the links on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you're in a band and we're directly influenced by one of these albums or artists that we are playing, please send us your song to 500 podcast at gmail.com. We will play it. Uh, Make sure you put the album and artist and influence you in the subject line. And uh and dig in y'all next week it's Pixie's week as we go deep in the 1989's do little do your homework y'all
0: I found up in I live my live facts no fiction the shit get written ain't no why did it sit back by the ounce when the tech go missing by the whole quarter plan when the OG hitting my name whole way I don't need no web make one call nigga the be get dead I kick game to I don't need no lesson been winning all yeah need to cut my blessing. it take a whole year off to relax I'm chilling out back in heat like fire and kick you get no sleep nigga but my passport I got the two CT. you can't ride with me, nigga Got the boots down, bubble, I'll be fine in the winter But it's fly, we fly, just change up the weather You get high on your supply, you ain't nigga no chicken You in the skies, got the x-ray vision Tell your nigga, stand down for your son, go missing Like a merry-go-round, how the drum be kicking Every nigga get a turn when the shit get lifted Two weeks to hold a clip, i let 7.30 get it
2: Stone cold killer, one-on-one can't mimic Coop, no selling, got a red bone in it All about the green light, Draymond with a pull up with a big K, no Kmart, nigga I don't like to talk, let it spray, my nigga Broad day, my nigga gotta claim my dinner I was in the dark, then my brain got bigger. Than and the lane start switching and your main start missing. Drift, drip, drip, up I finesse and make it flip. Tiss, tiss, tiss. Always hitting like a bitch. I fuck the game of my nigga. No glitch. We took our struggle and turned it to bliss. I paint her face like she playing with Kiss. I see no change, without taking a risk. Fuck all the fame. I want real happiness. They be icing their cheeks, but they still sad a shit. Soul already go. I don't need no bling. Had to stay up on my toes. Black swan with the team. When she see the king, it's a pawn in the jeans. High rose when the ass got caught in my jeans. Gas in the stash when I ride with the green. Had to lick my nigga, dash with it loud like a scream. Setting in the path like you trying to make a scream hey, you in the in the past of your life with a dream, bitch. I that shit was fucked up, man. i the money up my I'm deep. D-Bow. to no. run the city. Uh. Top down, blowin' we smoke, quick to pull up on you like I'm d ain't the one to play with, I ain't Neo. yo all my niggas work the G-Code, keep the
0: banging like I was from Heathrow, got the rug, I'm like a depot, when I drop a song, I flip a kilo. I'm a beast coast, killer, my team, strong nigga, my heart was born in the tower, talking to ghosts like I'm Tommy from power, see through your flesh, know I'm looking at was son of the guy, you could call me Elijah, fuck it, I got it, I'm shining. Drinking a henny, you know I'm still drivin', see my sneaker, but that nigga wildin', I'm the first conscious nigga to be stylin', look at my inner prism, it be vibrant, you in the inner prison mental same with that monkey mind and break the silence. Talk about whipping the kitchens, You lying, flashing your big homie guns like you bowed it. All of you niggas just chasing the clock. befriending each other to get in the spot. Mm. Don't need no validation, family. Never was concentrating on no Grammys. How about the cool? My nigga ain't no backseat. Ain't here gonna shoot if niggas get the blasted. Flying with the vacuum sealing the package. My fuck your and She up to my standards. Show me her playlist, She got all my classics. So you didn't act there like nothing just happened. Mm. Running, the city. Uh, top down, blowin' we smoke Quick to pull
2: up on you like I'm Debo Ain't the one to play with, I ain't Neo. yo All my niggas worth the G-Code Keep the banging like I was from Heathrow Got the rug, I'm like a depot When I drop a song, I flip a Kilo
1: Keeping it fleecy For the Fleece Nation On the 500 The 500
4: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to...
4: So triangulate your speakers, think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe for Grind podcast.
3: Next chapter podcasts.